clean cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios and not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe. This week, we get a 360 plus five degree view of Forward Madison with Rob Chapel. speculate wildly about the offseason, and trade tips for enjoying Thanksgiving alone. As always, I'm joined by the cool Modi and L.A. sunshine to my DJ Easy Lee, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, and Dan Fallon, who is no longer eligible for the forwards backwards profit sharing plan. Dan, Kyle, Jack Grealish, Grealish was charged with his fourth motoring offense this year for careless driving near the Villa training ground. What do you guys think he puts in his hair? Dan, now that you have hair, this is newly relevant to you because you could go into the barbershop and ask for the Grealish. The Grealish? Um, is, is like Dapper, is Dapper Dan's pomade, does that work in hair too? Or is that just, or that's a hair, that's a hair. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's a good pomade. I'm going to da- go with Dapper, Dapper Dan's. You know, I'm thinking whatever was used in all those mafia movies, so like The Godfather or Scarface or whatever that they use in their hair, I think Jack Grealish is using that. But I also need to know if there's like booze in, like soaked in it because how does this happen four times? Like get it together. Was this alcohol related, this driving? I don't think it was alcohol was related. Apparently but... just poor driving. The previous one though, the cool thing yeah. is, so they charge him with three offenses around one incident, but they showed yeah. a picture of him and it's like middle of the afternoon and he's got a slipper on and a white <laughs> sandal and like mismatched socks uh it's didn't this also happen drinking during was lockdown, involved in the first, the first one. lockdown yeah back in the yes. first lockdown so they're getting around that, to it charge. was the middle of the it was like the middle of the day or he left his car right i think he ditched the car yeah and then they pulled him back and he's got mismatched you know socks and shoes and he's really big he's Jack really fan aren't you dan I, I he's a good player i think he's taking the uh paul gascoigne uh ethos maybe a little too far and trying to create all these off the off the field headlines for himself there was the i believe he was also caught doing laughing gas many many years ago caught on passed out in the streets of tenerife but heck of a player, heck of a uh, player. i mean english english should build their build their team around him. <laughs> i mean let he who has not been passed out from laughing gas in the streets of tenerife cast the first stone the Gascoigne mention reminds me of the video that went around on on our chat of uh Paul Gascoigne talking about having met Sean Connery and his only comment about meeting Sean Connery was imagine how many hand, uh, how many boobs that hand has touched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gaza, don't ever change. He was uh, a deep thinker, Gaza, deep thinker. <laughs> uh, is, rapidly, is, I guess he's still alive. He is a deep thinker. <laughs> yeah, he is still alive. <laughs> rapidly regretting his decision to, to uh, appear on this podcast is our guest, <laughs> Rob Chapel, uh, he joins us from Madison 360 from the Madison 365 home studio slash bunker. Welcome, Rob. How you doing? Uh, any any thoughts on Paul Gascoigne, Jack Grealish, or what he uses in his hair? Uh, no, <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> last time, uh, Rob was game enough to sit through us uh, uh, discussing uh, the cinematic masterpiece Hot Shot. So we did want to allow him a, a little bit of time because, uh, Rob, you now have indirectly or directly become our competitor because Madison 365 has entered into the wonderful world of podcasting. Yeah, we are in the podcast game now. And you can find those at madison365.org slash podcasts. They're all there. 
And what, uh, there, you have a couple of them. One of them is uh, you do a daily update of 10 minutes, but you said it's a little more like 13. Yeah, we, we, we call it it's only 10 minutes. Sometimes you get three or four bonus minutes. Uh, and uh, that's just basically daily news update in the morning. We sort of recap everything that's on the site that morning. And then we kind of recap all the coronavirus numbers, which is always fun. Uh, well, and on that topic, you, you had an, you've had an experience that uh, very few people on Twitter have ever had. You actually convinced someone they were wrong. Uh, uh, yeah. I've seen your interactions with Steve the Homer True, and he's yeah. now rightfully acknowledged. He's on board. That, yeah. So, wow, that, that is something. Yeah. I mean, because Homer is an idiot and does not admit he's wrong. Rob. How do you do this? <laughs> Persistence. My wife, my wife keeps saying to me, stop arguing with people on Twitter. And I'm like, but I'm winning. <laughs> there you go. You're actually I'm not like, lying. That's 368, but I'm winning one. Uh, n- none of the voices that you're hearing on this podcast, Rob, need this sort of encouragement. In fact, I think we should all subscribe to a subscription service with your wife where we're about five minutes into a Twitter argument and she just calls us up and goes, stop arguing with people on Twitter. I think that's that's actually probably that's a good business idea. Yeah, I think that would be. Well, I think make, I don't think I've ever in in school nor in any of my job reviews ever been described as persistent. So I don't think uh, I don't think we have anything to worry about me on Twitter there uh, putting in the work putting in the work needed to convince someone that, that I'm right. <laughs> uh, Rob, the other thing you know, Madison's three sixty five is unique for those listeners that aren't familiar with it in that it is uh, community-sponsored journalism, correct? And you had mentioned as well something uh, kind of between now and the end of the year in terms of donations to the site and so on? Yep, we're a nonprofit. We're a legit 501c3 nonprofit. So any donations you make to us, uh, you know, support the work, but also are tax deductible for you. Uh, But right now we're in the middle of what's called Newsmatch. This is our fourth year doing it, where it's the Institute for Nonprofit News. It's funded by like big foundations, the Democracy Fund, the Knight Foundation, Facebook Journalism Project. And they're basically matching one for one every donation we get. And it's it's like no strings attached, no questions asked. You know, we, we send them a spreadsheet that shows them how much we raised in this period of time. And they cut us a check for that amount. It's like that simple. So, you know, right now you make us a donation of 10 bucks, we get 20. It's really that easy. And, you know, the, the interesting thing uh, about Madison 365 is you guys try to focus on stories that uh of you know the various uh communities that might not necessarily be focused on in in traditional kind of news right. uh right yeah we, we launched we started our our goal our mission to begin with you know five and a half almost six years ago now was uh was to focus on communities of color and it was that decision that led us to become nonprofit because we knew that wasn't going to be profitable right unfortunately you know, we're basically limiting our own audience in a way, so that we're never going to make enough money selling ads from that. So we, that's what we decided to go nonprofit, and we didn't know that we didn't know at the time, but we were the first nonprofit news outlet focused on communities of color in the United States. And now there are, <clears throat> I think, I think a third one is about to launch. Um, so you know, it's 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 been a it's been quite a ride, and, and the community has been tremendously supportive, and they continue to be, and especially this year, which has been so weird. And uh, so difficult for the news business. We've had more donations this year than any other year. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Speaking of weird, um, you've never probably covered a professional sports team like you did uh, Forward Madison this year. And 
Right. Kind of, kind of curious, um, you know, for people who, who don't know, Rob, you're a huge soccer fan going way back. So this, this must've been unique, uh, experience for you. Um, it was, it was weird. It was, uh, I mean, everything was weird this year and unfortunately it just, you know, the, the news priorities were different this year. You know, I just didn't have the uh, resources to cover, uh, soccer as much as I wanted to, uh, especially, you know, for us being focused on communities of color, not only COVID every day, all day, every day was dominating everything, but then the Black Lives Matter movement all summer long, we were at the protests, we were covering all that. Um, and uh, those kind of became the priorities. But then, you know, once once the season kind of got underway, um, it was good. I was really grateful that I'd had the full season last year to really get in, you know, tight with the team. And the, the team has been tremendously good about access and about calling us back. And, you know, I, I got Daryl Shore's number on my phone and, you know, always able to talk after the matches and uh, Connor and those guys. Um, so it was nice to have that sort of relationship that, we could um, journalism right now is, is about who, you know, more than ever, because you're not going to places to meet people. Like you're not accidentally running into people at a press conference anymore. It's all zoom and telephone with people you already know. So having that relationship helped a lot that, you know, I'm able to just get on the phone or on zoom or whatever with, with players, with coaches, with uh, team personnel. Um, You know, we did a great story on uh, Neil and his, um, efforts to raise money for, you know, black led organizations. Um, uh, and, and, you know, probably my favorite story to cover for this season was uh, Michael Vang. Um, you know, anytime you get a first of anything, um, you know, first Hmong American soccer player, professional soccer player was, this is such a cool uh, story. We have such a strong Hmong um, community here in Wisconsin um, I, we joked that um, when when Christy Yang became the first Hmong American elected judge in Milwaukee, first Hmong American woman elected judge in Milwaukee, that story went was like the most viral story of that year. You know, like this community appreciates its own, right? And they share the hell out of anything you do. So to have a uh, somebody come out of that community and be make his professional debut in Wisconsin, which is such a strong you know, Hmong plays. And then of course, you know, score eight minutes into it. And now his, that Jersey is now in the collection of the state historical society. Cause that's such a big deal. I mean, those, those are the stories that our people that our audience loves. Those are the stories I love to do. We, um, we prepared you know, two questions, about- uh, Rob, and you answered them both in that uh, <laughs> part. So I guess unless Dan or Kyle, you've got something interviews I've over. Got, <clears throat> I've got one. I, oh, good. I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> You know, with with Mike, um, and you know, you you spoke to him, and even though Keith and I have been uh, you know worshiping the the ground he walks on since I uh, watching him play for fifteen minutes in a scrimmage, um, I think even before that, I, Neil told us about his tryout, and we were yes, like, okay, yeah, we're we, on, we were, we're on, on board, we were on board with the never right. seen tryout. Um, yeah. But I got the sense that like Mike understood how important this was, um, and you, you talked to him, you know, and it it, it really kind of. I mean, maybe show the poise of an 18, 19 year old kid that I think he, he kind of grasped how important this was. Would, would you agree with that? I agree with that. I think he, when I asked him about that at first, um, he said the right thing, which is, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm, I'm just here to, to help the team win. I try not to focus on that. Um, but I mean, 
that wasn't entirely true. He he knew that he knew it. Uh, he knew that it was, um, and I think he, I think I got the sense, I should say, that he'd been looked up to for quite a while. You know what I mean? Like his dad created a club for him to play on with all his other neighborhood kids, which were mostly Asian American. So <clears throat> there was probably a bunch of younger kids in sort of the younger levels that had always been kind of looking up to him. And I think that he kind of grew into that. Um, and you see him on the pitch and you, he's got just composure for days. Right. Um, and, and that it also holds true in his, in just like his demeanor is like, it didn't, it didn't feel like a weight to him. It felt like uh, something to be proud of. And I, and he was definitely aware of it. And I think um, without trying to be too uh, flashy about it or braggy about it or whatever, I think he did understand that it was important and that it was a big deal. Uh, and that, you know, hopefully it'll, you know, lead to, lead to more. Well, it led to the second, right? I think his brother was the second right. professional player. To, well, that's the crazy play. thing is that his dad created this club and out of that club, out of this one family comes two professional men's players and one D1 women's player. Uh, so obviously a little bit of talent in the family there. And it's so important that they got their whole start by watching Shaolin soccer. That was the movie. <laughs> We're going to talk about Hot Shots. Shaolin Soccer, you know, it, it may surpass Hot Shots. I have not seen Shaolin Soccer, Dan, Kyle. I, I, I've watched it once a long time ago. It's been at least 10 years, probably. We're, we're going to have to schedule a, a screening uh, among the podcast, I think. There you go. Um, one question that I had for you, Rob, is um, which player, I guess, caught, I want to say caught you by surprise in terms of when you talk to them, they kind of gave that first impression. They just really came off really, really well in your regards for their first impression. Um, I know it's like a new influx of players or whether it was a returning player whose demeanor just changed compared to when you were talking to them last year. Was there a particular player on the team or even a coach that kind of just stood out to you in terms of just interacting with them? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, let me think about that for a second. So I, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to talk to a lot of new guys this year. Um, just because I wasn't able to get to Wauwatosa and to try to get new guys on the phone is a little hard. Um, but I think, um, you know, what was really interesting is uh, Connor Tobin, uh, his demeanor. He's always, he was always, I, I mean, you could tell he was a captain, right? Even last year. Um, but in a couple of times I got to talk to him this year, um, he's, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this, but it's, it's, he had this sort of elder statesman kind of attitude, I think. Like, um, like you can tell he's got his, and I, I, I don't know if you guys have heard anything about what his plans are or anything. I haven't. Um, but I know he's kind of on the edge of retirement last year, decided to come back for this year. I don't know if he'll have one more in him or not, but if not, you can, I mean, the way he talked to me this year, sounds like he's got an eye on whatever his next chapter is, which is really impressive to see a lot of guys, just want to keep playing until they until their feet fall off and or whatever and don't know what's next. Um, but I think I, I don't know what, if it's coaching. I think it's more like on the business side probably. Uh, but he, but he's definitely got that um, demeanor and and on the pitch and and we're talking to him, talking to him about Mike Vang for example. He's got that um, sort of leaderly you know the leadership kind of quality that you like to see. Obviously the captain, obviously. Uh, but but his 
demeanor was very mature last year, obviously, uh, and even more so this year, I think. The, uh, Mike Vang and, and, and Connor Tobin, you know, they're, they're 14, 15 years apart. And uh, as someone who's been covering sports for, for a while and interacting with players, have you seen uh, our, our younger players more mediatized than they were? Are they more, you know, you, you mentioned like Michael Vang saying the right thing up front. And then, you know, kind of following up on that, is that a common thing now with more and more younger players? Is that as you interact with them, they seem like they've, you know, they grew up, you know, on, on Ready. all of this stuff Ready. and making their own media and probably, you know, being able to record each other and, and do all of that, you know, sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Just kind of curious if that, if you've seen um, that change over time. That's a really interesting question that I hadn't really thought about, but yes, I think so. I think, um, you, you know, going back, I don't know, 15, almost 20 years now covering like high school sports, which, you know, high school kids is not much younger than Mike Bang. Um, I think you can tell that younger, younger players, younger athletes these days, um, you can tell they've watched more sports center and like, (laughs) (laughs) know know the thing they're supposed to say, (laughs) you know, um, I got a chance to, uh, to talk with Demetrius Kagea last year. Uh, you know, April's son who's played for Gonzaga, played for Green Bay Voyagers last year, uh, obviously on the professional track, you know, and it's the same kind of age, but, but talked in those sports center sound bites and it's great. I loved it. <laughs> you know, that's not a criticism at all. I don't think that, but, um, but obviously there's a lot more media savvy now. Um, and, um, and it's sometimes it can be a little bit like, like a soundbite, like, okay, that's exactly what I expect you to say. And that's exactly what I'm going to quote, because that's what everybody expects to hear from you. But then once in a while, you'll, you'll get something that is a, you know, that is a real, a true nugget of, of, you know, candor. And that's, that's my job as an interviewer is to kind of get that, kind of get past the talking points into some, some kind of true. And I will say, I, I don't know if Kuba and those guys did any training for these guys, you know, media training for these guys. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did because these guys are pretty prepared and ready to, you know, speak their piece. So Rob, you, you mentioned, um, having Daryl's number on your phone. So I guess you kind of know what the next question is going to be. And I, I, I guess what I'd ask you is, were you surprised? Um, and then secondly, not necessarily, was it, maybe you can answer that in the first question, was it fair or do you think, you know, the, given the circumstances and then second, you know, what, what are you, what are you hoping to see in a new coach uh, for the coming season? Um, yeah. Good questions. Um, I, I was not shocked to be honest with you. <clears throat> I was, I, I, I didn't have any insider information. I wasn't asking, I wasn't going to be that guy and be like, so you're going to fire the coach. Um, <clears throat> but. Hey, hey Daryl, just wanted to give you a call. When are you, when are you getting canned? Uh, yeah. You know, that's We're how you mutually your part ways. Yeah. Yeah. How, how mutually part ways, part ways yeah. here, Daryl. That's, uh, that's how you burn your sources right there, I think. Yeah, right. Um, but given the way that the season planned, played out, like it, it seemed to me, as, a, as an amateur observer, you know, not particularly smart about soccer stuff, but it seemed like we had – we underperformed our talent, right? We had a lot of talent on the field every night and was – and – um, couldn't quite get there. And now <clears throat> with the caveat that perhaps this roster and this club is built for a longer season, right? 
if you know 16 games into last year we probably weren't in much better position than we were at the end of this season right so with another 12 or 16 games or how many it was maybe we they could have grounded out to get up into fourth place right but given you know with the exception of that three or four games in the middle of the season when we just couldn't quit scoring uh it's just there was too much talent on the field to be coming with but there's also we had um, you know, and even you bring in Ovalle and you bring in, um, and, and with the way Giro came on so strong, which that was the on the field player surprise for me was Giro. Um, and, and the fact that Daryl like put Giro in that role and gave, empowered him to do what he was doing, you know, to push forward and to try to get into the attack and to, and gave him that, that latitude tells you that Daryl's a great, um, judge of individual talent and a developer of individual talent, but you know, I don't know. I don't. And again, I don't know specifically what it would be, but maybe there's something left to be desired there in the game management. Because there was there were some moments where I didn't quite understand the substitutions he was making or the substitutions that he left on the bench that he didn't use all five subs sometimes. Um, you know, so maybe there's just something that last step of, of actually managing the ninety minutes. Um, but uh, but again, the the, the Looking at the players that we had and the product that came out of it, it wasn't shocking that they wanted to go in a different uh, directions coach-wise. In terms of what I'm hoping to see in another coach, obviously, um, I, I think the thing about Madison, thing about forward Madison, is that there's, you got to have a certain attitude, you know what I mean? Like a, a stoic, um, no-nonsense kind of coach is not going to do well here. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh you have to and this this goes with for players too like you know you're going to attract a certain kind of player that is that is has a certain tolerance for shenanigans right and is, is willing to do and partake <laughs> in those sort of stunty type things but you, but you got to earn it on the field right and the old thing with the harlem globetrotters when they started was like yeah okay we can start to do the funny things but only when we have a big lead right you got to be able to kind of earn that um, I mean, third division, you don't really have to earn, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you can get away with it if, if just for fun. Cause we have a good supporters culture here, obviously and stuff, but, um, you want, you want a coach that's going to win and want to win and, and, but, but who, um, is going to also be able to, and, and willing to, and enthusiastic about participating in that, in the sort of the, the goofy attitude that we have here. In the, in yeah, the I, think, I think we gotta you might want to trademark uh forward madison some sort of shenanigans is expected um <laughs> that could be the mission statement the mission statement for everyone around the club yeah yeah and, and other shenanigans as assigned yeah, <laughs> description. especially the assigned side yes that yeah. has to be included no i think yeah. rob you brought up uh something that we had noted too is in the in-game management there was a stretch where we had you know must win games and it seemed substitution wise daryl was making kind of conservative or like for like substitutions yeah. you know down that stretch and just wasn't you know maybe pushing as aggressively as he needed to and i wonder if that you know, played into and there, were, there, were, and there were some matches where as early in the season, they were, the guys were just rusty. You could tell that. You could tell that they had trained together, really, the way other clubs had been able to. Um, but besides that, there was just there were some games where there was just a lack of urgency. Uh, you could just kind of feel the lack of urgency, and that comes from that comes from the, the top. You know, I yeah. did. I did have a brief conversation with our our friend Cowboy Neil. Um, 
And he, you know, he made the one thing he said to me that stuck out. And I think this is true of, you know, we can all think of this of teams we've supported and, you know, he goes two two goals go in and we're talking about a different season, right? We're talking about, or, you know, you know, to score two or three more goals in certain games. And that's the, those are the margins, right? I mean, those are those incredibly fine margins and, um, you know, as much, I think we all respected and liked Daryl, um, but it, you know, I think I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. It did seem like there was just something that kind of wasn't coming together given the talent that was on the field. And um, yeah. And, and it, I, don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that you had, you had Mason toy last year, obviously goes to Minnesota United and becomes a hero of the U S open cup and is like prolific scorer. And then you get Wojciech down here, who's also a prolific scorer. Neither of them can score for Madison. Like what's missing here. And I don't, and again, I'm not smart enough to know what's exactly missing, but something is missing. Obviously you got guys who any other team score goals like crazy. They come here and they're, and they're not. So, well, and I think ultimately, you know, when you look at soccer and, and look, we're seeing it right now, uh, with two, I think, managers in the Premier League who are great managers, uh, you know, in Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. It's been, what, 50 days? How long has it been? Uh, uh, 50 days or over seven hours of game, of match time. Yeah, since yeah. they've scored and Man City. From has, open play. From open play. Open, they yeah. did have a penalty. Open play. Uh, and Man City has, has struggled. Getting teams to score goals is hard i mean and you know I, I, and having that and like neil said you know a goal here uh, you know you get a break here or a break there but also you know you you have to look at things like the advanced stats too and i don't know if we were from an xg perspective producing as much as our talent might have indicated you know we should have and so you can look at yeah maybe if we'd gotten a little lucky and outperformed our numbers but you know you don't get a sense that we were creating a lot of chances either yeah, yeah i, I would say we're talking, go ahead Kyle, go ahead, go ahead i was gonna say like other than the tucson away match i can't really think of a match in which ford madison had clear-cut chances and a high qual like high number of those chances i can't really think of another match besides that one in particular i mean if if one or two of those goals go in ford madison wins three to two that's, I mean, they still don't make the playoffs or anything, but at least that gives it a little bit of a different perspective of, okay, the other matches are just bad luck, but it was just like, uh, there's no match that they really created those chances. They really had those chances. If we were to use XG, I'm pretty sure the Tucson match probably was closer, like three or four, but they only scored one. But the other matches, especially the Omaha one and especially the Tucson at home one, it just felt very, as we said, turgid. And I think that, had something to do with it. And when you look at the Premier League, when you look at Pep and Mikel Atreta, then you look on the other side and you see Klopp and Jose Mourinho. And Jose has a style and it's working. And you see Son just banging in goals left and right because he's using Harry Kane more as a 10 instead of a pure striker. While with Jurgen Klopp, it's like you can throw, yes, you don't have Salah, you can get in Jota who can pretty much do something similar. It's just, I think it's more that movement in that final third that Ford Madison was lacking. One, and it's distinct, you know, as we've talked about, finding the places where you create goals, you know, finding a striker like like uh, Vosges, you know, you want somebody who's going to get, he's a classic finisher. So you need somebody that's going to get into the space where they're going to get him those chances where maybe he makes a little run, creates himself a little space and, and bangs it in. And I don't think we were getting those balls to him in the same way. And then the other thing with a, you know, big number nine is, 
getting those. And, and I don't think we had the speed on the wings to work really well with a big number nine. Um, with you know Don and Paulo, and I, I thought Paulo had a, a good year. I think Don had a disappointing year. Uh, you know, you guys can disagree with me there, but neither one of them, because of their age, has that speed that plays off really well. Where you know the number nine occupies the center backs, creates the space behind them, and then you can shoot into that. I don't know if that, you know, plays into it, but I guess by referencing Arteta and and Pep, you know, these are guys who have clear ideas of how they want their teams to score. I mean, you know, Man City, you could talk about that, that ball, you know, into the channel where they, they broke Sterling in and he plays the cutback pass, you know, to Jesus or to Aguero. They scored, it seems like 150 of those goals over the last two years, and you're just not seeing it. And part of that is obviously teams are adapting to that, but you know, he knows how teams score. And that's one of the things about, you know, Mourinho is he knows how his team score where Mourinho a lot of the time struggles is in those games where his team has to take it to someone, right. Rather than play off the counter. And I think that's a little bit of the issue that, that Daryl got into this year is I think they were planning on tight, keeping it tight, and then springing the counter. And, and I don't know if, if we, you know, I think other teams, we saw it against Omaha. They played fairly conservative against us compared to the, the pressing game that you saw in a lot of other st- stages. You know, you saw it with Greenville, um, you know, where those are the, the monuments to turgidity. Um, and, you know, teams were, I think, a, a little more prepared for the way that we were going to attack this year in some sense. I don't know, Rob, Dan, Kyle, what your thoughts are on, on all that as well. Could you explain what the monument to turgidity would potentially look like? Um, I think it would be like if you just let like a chocolate bar melt, uh, like melted <laughs> ice cream, like halfway through melted ice cream is monument to turgidity. Okay. All right. you know, kind of blobbish, but not intentional. Take, you know, I'll take, like, I'll take that. I'll neglect. Take that. Neglect is a monument to turgidity. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, any, you know, and you, you, you're uh, sort of self-deprecating your knowledge about soccer, but you've been around in the game for a long time. So curious to see other thoughts that, you know, maybe with what Kyle and Dan and I have been talking about, your, your kind of thoughts on, on the season in the, in the big picture. Um, I, I think you read that there was a, a, the age of the sort of the average age of the roster showed a little bit this year. Also, I think, I think you're right about that. I mean, there's one thing to be said about experience that you have experience on the pitch and you have leadership in the, in the dressing room, but, um, but also it translates to, you know, maybe having lost a step in, in the, in, you know, smart and uh, especially, but um, you know, again, I think it's, um, you think of a lot of individual uh, guys who had good games and good seasons, um, and just weren't able to put it uh, put it together. And I think part of that is tactical. Like you say, that this is not a roster that's built for counterattack, really. Mm-hmm. You know, um, unless it's a unless it's a, a sort of the long, sort of the through ball kind of counterattack, which experience helps with that. The experience and the vision. I'm thinking of the, I, I, if I say like that one through ball that Don put in, um, everybody will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, that's assist of the year probably, but, uh, but you know, but if you're trying to run, if you're trying to be speedy counter, who's going to do that other than uh, Giro, you know, um, from that 
which is it's an awkward place to do that from where he was playing. So I, I guess it's, um, again, I think it's just, it was, it was a frustrating season a little bit. They did, it was entertaining. I mean, it was entertaining football. Yeah. They weren't, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of old school and I actually enjoy a thrilling zero, zero draw from a, just a purely entertainment standpoint, you know, um, spoken like someone who cut their teeth on the 1990 world cup, I think is that that's, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, Bob <laughs> wants to bring the pass back to the goalie. Why? Why are you doing that? Um, just the pure four, four, two England style. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so, so from that perspective, I mean, it was, those were good, there was decent matches, you know, and decent matches to watch and, and to be entertained by, I guess. But um, uh, I guess I'm not sure what I'm getting at, but it, other than like, they didn't, they weren't, they were always like right kind of there, you know, and just, um, and one nice thing about, it, you know, I, I'm glad that the State Journal and covered every game and Todd Moski did a great job getting over to Wauwatosa and stuff. And like I said, we had, we just had different editorial priorities. I didn't have the budget to send somebody to Wauwatosa, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, so we, but, but that also meant that I didn't necessarily have to write up the frustrating loss. <laughs> 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 for the, for the, yeah, the zero, zero draw again, everybody, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't quite I, have to do that. As the host of a weekly podcast, Kyle, Dan, uh, no thoughts on having to do another podcast after a zero, zero draw, right? <laughs> it was, uh, it was getting a little rough there for a while, Rob. Yeah. It was getting a little rough. As a wise man named Elliot once said on a watch party, Y'all have to go through this shit every week. I feel bad for you. <laughs> and I'm pretty Rob, sure that point, was the North Texas loss. The second I think, rather your point though, we were, you know, I think the one, you know, the one positive was defensively again this season. We were very, very good. Yes. Um and you know, I think we've we've shown the last two seasons, like, you know, Daryl can obviously figure out how to negate what other teams are trying to do. He obviously knows how to organize a goalkeeper, you know, two goalkeepers. Uh, you know, obviously that's his kind of stock and trade. Uh, Chris Brady, clearly a future star, probably in MLS. 100%. Um, but I mean, you know, and then there's all, that's almost like where it's like frustrating is that it was like that. Yeah, we had this really solid back four, you know, a couple of blips here and there. But like once kind of Josiah, Connor and Pato and Jiro kind of fell into those four. We, we looked really solid at the back again, and um, which did keep us in a lot of games. And, you know, we joked after that one game that Chris Brady got the save of the match and it was literally a misplaced through ball that just trickled in. It was the only time he had to pick the ball up the whole game because we basically completely shut down whoever we were playing that night. Yep. Um, so, you know, I will, I, you know, I got to give credit there. I mean, and Connor ended up on, I think, second team, Right. Um, I, I was shocked that Giro didn't end up on that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, Those I, I, first team, second teams and the award and some of the award final. I don't know what the hell USL was thinking. Yeah, so. it was, it was that one. That was a head scratch. Can we, can we just I think put I that in get... our giant file of what the hell was USL league one thinking? <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. Um, you know, decision to play the season this year. What the hell was you, you know, let fans in. What the hell was us? All of those things. Rob, uh, curious on your end as well, and, and this is something we talked about, you know, uh, I know you guys didn't have the editorial budget, but did concerns about, you know, promoting 
you know, because, you know, COVID has has particularly hit the the communities that you cover particularly hard as well. Did that that play into your decision as well not to maybe cover forward in the same way as as in the past that maybe we shouldn't be having sports? I know it's something all three of us, you know, on the podcast have discussed, you know, we've taken the week out kind of, you know. Yeah. Now you're just saying, I'm complaining. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think part of part of me, and, and I've been kind of a, comp- a proponent of this idea. Of, let's just all take a year off of everything. Like we'll be fine. School, sports, everybody just sit down, watch Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> you're showing your age there. Yeah, I know. Play Uno with your family. I don't know. But obviously, you know, that's not practical. So I, I think the way USL League One, the, the way it turned out, obviously, it was it turned out to be an okay thing. You know, we didn't, we're not canceling games the way college football has been, right? Um, other than the final, but okay. Um, yeah, and I get that, that people wanted to go to the games. I, I think, um, you know, I think the empty stadium is probably the better way to go. And, and one of the reasons that we didn't, one of the reasons that I didn't have anybody at the games is I just, I cannot in good conscience send my reporters to places, to things with people, <laughs> you know, um, I was, I was kind of, um, I was kind of cranky the other last week when public health Madison Day County held a press conference in person to announce that you shouldn't be getting together in person with people. Like it just made no sense. So I did not attend that press conference. <laughs> that press conference so you know i i have as an editor i have a kind of responsibility to my to take care of my team so that's like you know at the protests in june and stuff i was the one that went to that because i didn't want to send people into that environment you know just because it's kind of it was kind of a dicey environment anyway but then also with the you know all that stuff um but yes that did that did um play into my decisions and, and how we covered the team and we didn't go to the. I don't. Did they even really have any open media time at the at training? I don't think they really did even. But we wouldn't have gone. Um, but in terms of like, do I feel any um, regrets or anything about promoting the sport? I don't. Not really. But we, we didn't really do a lot of, um, you know, encouraging people to go to the games or anything like that. And I don't think I would have done that. Um, and, but, the, you know, what, what's really interesting about this whole year is that it has kind of showed us that sports is a TV show anyway, right, <laughs> in a way. I mean, Fort Madison is a little different than that. Like, it's the atmosphere at Bruce Stevens is such a special, special thing. Um, but uh, everything from, you know, League One up to Champions League and, and – a service that you can you can do sports and you can enjoy sports and we can sit there and talk about sports for an hour without having thousands and thousands of people reading on each other you know yeah, yeah man. i can agree with that uh one question i did have um ford madison's twitter account actually mentioned players coming back so were there any players that you in particular want to see return for the team next year um who do i want to see return um I would love to see Giro for one more year, at least. I would love to see, um, uh, boy. I mean, do we get to keep Michael? Do we keep? Do we get to stay on the Vang train for one more year? That would be pretty. 
pretty snazzy. Uh, you know, who knows? I, I, he's obviously the the bank train is going upward, obviously. Um, but so, you know, maybe we can, to mix our transportation metaphors, it's taking off. Yeah, the, the bank train is flying away. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it could be described as a crazy train. You know, like who yeah. knows? It's uh, off I the rails. There, Ozzy, easy there, Ozzy. I think, I think what Noah did you Fusan, find over here? I'm very excited to see Noah Fusan back. Um, he uh, obviously what he brought to the when he when he came in when, what he brought was was that sense of urgency that had been lacking. I think he, he was he was going all out whenever he got a chance to be on, and you could tell that, that was his attitude. I, I never got a chance to talk to him, unfortunately. Uh, maybe I came over the offseason, but um, but you could tell that he's he's just the way he played. It was like, this is my chance. I'm going to take it. I'm coming at you. Look out. Um, and didn't quite have the composure that Vang has. So wasn't able to quite finish until, you know, obviously that last match, which was terrific. I love to see that. But that's the kind of energy I like to see. That's the kind of guy I like to see on the pitch. And um, and that he's not alone either. He's like a, just a guy who's trying to make it. And those are the kind of guys that I think will fit in Madison really well. Um, but obviously, I don't think there's anybody I would I'd want, I don't want to see back, you know, particularly. Um, one thing I'm uh, curious about last year, you said your story of the year was Nizzy and yeah. what we, you know, Nizzy didn't make a lot of 18 man rosters this year. I think, you know, they were probably hoping to get him out in, in cup matches and in some of the exhibitions going into this year. Did you have a chance to talk to him at all and, and how he was handling this year and uh, so on no, and so forth? I, no, I, unfortunately I didn't. Um, I, I talked about him. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, uh, but I know part of his, part of the deal when they signed him was that they, he would finish his education. So I know he's been uh, in, in school as well as basically, you know, in training, uh, which I think is great, great for him. And I, and I hope, you know, I hope, he's, that, I hope he stays around. I hope he stays kind of connected to the club as well. Yeah. Every, I think everybody has said he's a, you know, great, great guy. And as we talked about last year, he was kind of the hub of the, of the locker room too. So I think. Yeah. And I saw, and I saw he was, um, he was, a lot of the guys, this is, and this is great to see. A lot of the guys that weren't making the eighteen-man rosters were still doing the things with the kids and the clubs and the local youth clubs and all that stuff, and really being engaged in the community. Which is, a, which is another thing, you know, that you know, going back to what we want to see in a coach, like this, obviously, and this is a lower-level thing, but it's a Madison thing too that this club is really connected to this community, and um, anybody who comes here whether you're going to make the 18-man roster or not, whether you're you know, the closest to a championship or not, that's something you got to, you're going to have to be committed to as a player or as a coach. Yeah, I, I agree. Dan, Kyle, any, uh, <laughs> any other kind of uh, last thoughts for, for Rob before we uh, let him go? Uh, Rob, just uh, remind everybody, you guys are running some podcasts. Uh, we've already vi- volunteered uh, Kyle uh, to do another podcast. Um, you know, if you guys want to start up a sports <laughs> one, He's your man. He does forward. He does the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, somehow manages to keep track of the Portuguese uh, first division as well. Along Fun with fact, Maritimo won their Portuguese Cup match today, three to two. So they're moving on to the next round. Uh, so you know you won't have trouble. I think he watches every single live sporting event. Speaking of you know sports as TV show, so yeah. Kyle Kyle is your man. I think, um, uh, and his wages think- are reasonable. Um, don't think for a second that the thought hasn't crossed my mind. I mean, we, we have a daily news <laughs> podcast. We have a weekly interview podcast. We have a weekly, like, history kind of podcast. Uh, those are the three that we have right now. We're talking about, do we want to do a pop culture podcast? Do we want, like, to do a weekly 
politics discussion podcast. We want to do a sports podcast. And, um, and you know, when you think about who would host those, you know. Kyle Carr, hardest, hardest working man in Madison sports. If I do a politics one, you're going to have to find a bleep button to censor me because (laughs) that's the problem. Okay. We'll we'll do politics one. I'll just call, I'll just constantly call boss a bitch ass coward. (laughs) (laughs) But if I do basketball, you are better than Woj. At least you're not going to misreport something like Adrian Morgenowski did last week with the Milwaukee. Okay. So, so we come to the important part and I want to thank Weston for putting this up on the Twitter machine First of all, I did win the poll. The bigger, the more important grudge match is me versus Grant Wall. Uh, I think even Kyle, uh, you voted for that. But what? Wh- why are you angry at Woj, uh, Adrian Wojnarski of uh, ESPN.com? So Monday night, 1030, the Milwaukee Bucks announced there's a rumor going on that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to acquire Drew Holiday in a trade, which is huge because they needed to upgrade that point guard position from Eric Bledsoe. So that was cool. That was like 10.30 at night. Then I'm about to go to bed. A little after midnight, Woj then tweets that the Bucks have a sign-and-trade agreement with Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was probably one of the top free agents that was out there, at least a realistic free agent, because Anthony Davis was number one, but Milwaukee's not getting him. So they announced this. That's the details. Everything's great. So Monday night was a fantastic time for me, even if I was up till 2 a.m. Fast forward to Wednesday night. Wednesday afternoon, there's a report from The Athletic. This deal might not happen because Bogdanovich never agreed to a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks, which is kind of key if you're going to do a sign-and-trade. You should probably have the player that you're signing be on board. So then it started with, okay, what the hell happened? Maybe, and everyone's trying to think their own reasons. And mine was, Wolves fucked up because you are the so-called number one reporter in all of basketball anything you say is gospel to everyone's mind so if you get this wrong which he did that makes you look like a bumbling idiot and then because of that vendors reports are tampering which the nba's investigating milwaukee and sacramento for doing which is a load of bullshit because lebron james tampered for the last year for anthony davis but i'm not going to go on that rant so then because Woj fucks up this tweet now Bogdanovich is going to the restricted free agency. He's not right now. It's not looking like he's coming to Milwaukee. There's still some hope because the Bucks maybe are just going to lay low, wait a bit. Fast forward to Friday evening when free agency officially opens, and Woj is able to throw out all these tweets right at 5:01, which is convenient that all these deals could be agreed upon. No, no, no calls for tampering. Woj was able to navigate. It's because Woj said the deal was done. If Woj had said. Milwaukee is working on a deal. No problem. But he said it was done. It was finalized. Everyone, everyone was on board. And if you're the number one reporter for the NBA and you're ESPN's guy, you can't fuck that up. You can't screw that up. So that's why I am mad at Woj because for someone that's supposed to be the greatest, he sucks at his job for the past week. He is sucks. He's <laughs> terrible. He's getting upended by his own protege shams. He's getting upended by Kevin O'Connor from the freaking ringer. Like he's getting like, how can you be this bad at your job to more or less jeopardize Milwaukee's whole offseason? Milwaukee had this plan, and now they had to go to plan B, and I blame Woj. So, yeah, Woj sucks, and that is my rant of the day. 
Uh, I'm not an expert on, on the salary cap, the Milwaukee Bucks, or tampering, but sounded an airtight argument to me, Kyle. So, And remember, uh, please don't snitch tag Kyle, although I think at this point you would welcome a conflict with Woj on this. I've been calling out Woj on my account. I've been calling out Woj on the Brew Hoop account at this point. I'm surprised I haven't been blocked yet. <sighs> Always something. Uh, Dan, any final thoughts about, uh, you know, checking in from the land of vodka and wine glasses? <laughs> uh, no, I'm just sorry. I'm Kyle. I'm sorry that Bogdan, 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 Boutros, Boutros, Gali, Bogdanovich isn't coming to Milwaukee. It, it's all right. They found other players to bring in that it'll work. It'll didn't, be okay. Didn't uh, Rudy Giuliani feature in a, in a movie with that guy? where he was putting his hands down his pants, or was that... Might as well have. I mean, that was Borat, <laughs> that was Borat. but at this yeah. point, they, yeah. yeah. I don't know what Eastern European country, I think it's Serbia. Yeah, but it's the, the, the joke now is that uh, it, it's not all that impressive that Borat was able to, to confuse Rudy <laughs> Giuliani. <laughs> it's actually, it's pretty easy. It's oh, man. Pretty easy. That, guy's, that guy's having a hell of a month, Rudy. America's mayor, Dan. America's mayor. Were you ever in New York for the, the Giuliani era? I'm going to remain mum on this topic, but yes, I was. Uh, why are you remaining mum? I, I want to hear your Julie. Because I, I, I just don't want to give this guy any more airtime. It's just time for Rudy to, to I mean, go back into his crypt. <laughs> Dan, nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> so you're There's like four people that do. <laughs> if, if this podcast I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. As somebody, as somebody put on Twitter today, if this podcast falls in the woods, does it make a sound? We know this one doesn't because we're not able of you know able to record it all. So you know hashtag better without audio. I uh, do want to thank uh, Rob Chapel for joining us today. Rob, um, uh, as well, if people want to donate, they can go right to Madison three sixty five and uh, is that dot org or dot com. Both work. We have fantastic. Both. We've got all the bases covered. That's what we yep. like to like to see. And your your donation will be matched. Also check out their podcasts at madison365.org slash podcasts. Uh, you know, you get 10 minutes. You, you only pay for 10 minutes, but they'll throw in a, a couple extra for free. Um, and much like this podcast where you only pay for an hour and uh, we, we deliver at least three minutes of, of salvageable content um, and phone calls coming while I'm recording fantastic and it's such a good podcast that keith's phone rang once and he still didn't silence it and he allowed it to ring twice <laughs> i was more worried he just he just assumed what are the chances that that'll happen again well, in the next the only five two, minutes the only two people in the world that actually still talk to me are on this podcast <laughs> keith keith's so, a gambler keith is yeah, always willing to roll the dice let's see if live, someone else calls living on the edge this one came from chattanooga tennessee so uh, they've they've taken issue with our, our complaints about the Red Wolves very clearly. Uh, look at how seamlessly we tied it all together. Dan, what do you say to Chattanooga? Oh, Chattanooga. Until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, <laughs> twirling, twirling towards freedom. Twirling.